Romans chapter 12 this morning for a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Would you bow your head with me for a moment of prayer this morning? Father, thank you for your presence. We've asked for you to come and meet with us this morning. And so thankful for that divine, divine appearance. Thank you for the songs of worship, the songs of praise, the realities that it can resonate in our heart because of the words of another writer. We thank you for song, for, for singing, for music this morning. And now as, I, as we look into your word, I pray that you would give that, uh, that fresh, renewed touch from heaven. I need your help today. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your presence to give us that help, that voice to be heard that would come from heaven today. Not of any human effort, but through the power and the presence of the divine. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I've been taken aback this week looking into the book of Leviticus reading about all of the sacrifices, all of those rituals, the lambs, the goats, the bulls, the doves, the pigeons. It's an incredible, it's really an incredible situation reading about all of the sacrificial laws and requirements. Not just any animal was acceptable, it had to be a certain animal. Some of them had to be yearlings, they had to be unblemished. The animal had to, had to meet criteria in order for that animal to be acceptable for that sacrifice, even though they were just going to be killing it, so to speak. Sacrificing it on an altar, collecting the blood for various uses. It's a really an incredible process, the placing of the hand on the head, the taking of the life, the collecting of that blood to be used in those various places during the entirety of the sacrifice, the meat, the entrails, I know it's a disgusting thing to talk about, the hide, some of it was to be burned, some of it was to be cooked, some of it was to be eaten, some of it was not to be eaten. You can read all about it, it can take up quite a bit of time as you sit there and read and study and listen to uh, what is being said. Let me come over into the New Testament and we find out that this New Testament is a new covenant. Because the old covenant was not sufficient to take care of the actual need. It was only uh, maybe in our terms a band-aid that was going to get them through a, a period of time until this new covenant could be brought to uh, fruition and, and made in force. The Hebrew writer tells us the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient, but that the sacrifice on Calvary the, of the Lamb of God fulfilled the entirety of the, of the requirements of the sacrifices for us. We no longer have to find that specific animal. 
the bulls, the goats, the lambs, the, the turtle dove, or, or the pigeon. And all those things had to, had to be a, a specific and special animal. No longer do we have to do that because they were fulfilled. The requirement was completely fulfilled with the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on Calvary. The apostle writing the Roman epistle as the Holy Spirit moved his pen tells us that we then are to provide God with a living sacrifice of ourselves. Not a dead sacrifice of the Old Testament, but a living sacrifice. That's, that's what he's telling us that is a, is a reasonable service for us. It's an accepted and special service for us to provide God with a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice even. Not just anything, just not anything that, that we would want to provide for him, but he's telling us that it's a holy living sacrifice, that it's an, an acceptable sacrifice to him. Paul goes on here in this particular chapter with verse number 2. He says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that she may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, there's a lot of things that are said right there in that little verse. We could stop and talk about being conformed to this world. We could talk about being transformed by the renewing of the mind. We could talk about proving what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. We can spend a lot of time searching and and looking and debating what the will of God is. And how all of it works together, how all of it fits within the glove, how, how it all needs to find its place into our lives and in that living sacrifice, that holy sacrifice, that acceptable sacrifice. Paul tells us then in his epistle to the Thessalonians, this is the will of God. We can debate that subject, the will of God. Paul, or Paul tells us here what the will of God is. Now, for us to fully understand the context of this verse, we really need to go back and read previous verses. Now, how far back? I really don't know how, how far we need to go. We could probably even go back to the beginning of this book this particular epistle, and read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and, and the first two verses of chapter 4 before we get to this particular verse. For this is the will of God for us to understand the context in which he's speaking. But we won't do that for the sake of time this morning, for the sake of pinpointing what exactly what we're looking to pinpoint this morning is that God is in the will of God. He is wanting us to be sanctified. That's what Paul said. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication is one thing. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor is another part. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. 
So he's giving a little bit of a, of a clarity, and then we come to verse number 7 here in Thessalonians, for, and, and he's telling us what the will of God is. Again, he's repeating himself, and, and repetition is good, and he's clarifying for us exactly what the will of God is. He says in verse number 7, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Holiness, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Samuel Logan Brangle in his book, Heart Talks on Holiness, said that holiness is a state of conformity to the divine nature. Holiness is a state of conformity to the divine nature, not in his wisdom, power, knowledge, omniscience, but in his love and in his purity. Holiness is a state of conformity to the divine nature. I find it a little bit uh, startling that Samuel Brangle used the word conformity here in this particular wording, in this phrasing here, in this book, as I repeat in my mind the words of the apostle, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be conformed to his image. Maybe if we were to write those out on a board this morning, one side or the other, we could put one word that's tucked in between the two of them, antithesis. Be not conformed to this world. Be conformed to the divine image. And in that, there is a suggestion, yea, there is a requirement that it's not one or the other, but it's... Or it's not both, but it is one or the other. Excuse me. It's important that it's said right there. It's not both. The Sunday school lesson, Golden Text, this morning reminded us of the impossibility of serving two masters. I don't know how much time was spent on that particular verse, but it's the Golden Text And it certainly reminded us that we can't serve two masters. Jesus reminds us in in the Gospels that there are two gates, there are two roads. It's not three or four or more. It's only two. And so we find that here in this particular thought and and the realities of, of the Scripture that I've already read that we are to be conformed to His image or we are being conformed to this world. It's one or the other. Not both. A living, holy sacrifice. Conformed to the image of God and not to this world. Because Brangle very clearly puts it out there to us that holiness is a conformity to the image of God. A conformity to the divine nature. Now, if we would stop and really take notice of all the changes that take place around us, maybe the changes that take place within us. It might be noteworthy that the majority, most often, conformity points in the direction of this world 
rather than in the direction of the divine nature. Conformity to the things and the styles and the standards and the mindset, the, the worldview as that word has become prominent in, in today's culture and, and, and all of the circumstances, everything seems to point in conformity to the world rather than to the image of the divine. You can go back in history and you can find the, 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 the changes that have taken place in the church world. You can take and find the, the changes that have taken place in culture. And, and every, nearly every one of those big changes outside of, of, of vibrant revivals and, and the moving of God in, in, a, in a reformation type of thing where, where God moved in and changed people's lives, all other changes seem to indicate that there's a pointing to very similar to the circumstances of Lot as he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And we can argue that there wasn't anything wrong with the opening of his tent facing Sodom until we get to the end of the story and realize it was the darkness of Sodom that began to infiltrate the opening of his life in the morning times and, and the changes that were taking place in his own family's lives. For God hath not called us to uncleanness. Let's change that, or, or let's drop some of those words there a little bit and just simply put it very pointedly to the reality. God hath called us unto holiness. It's pretty simple, really. Paul lays it out. We've memorized those verses. We can quote them even when our mind is foggy because we've known them so long. But the simplicity of it is that there is a sacrifice conformed to the divine nature that God expects in his followers. He hath called us unto holiness. A living sacrifice conformed to his image. Let's stand together this morning. What I'd like for us to take home this morning is just simply an answer for ourselves personally. Is my life a living sacrifice conformed to his image? Personally, not answering it for anybody else, but for myself, for yourself. Is my life a living sacrifice? 
conformed to his image. Praise God. Praise God. Vaughn, would you dismiss us in prayer?